This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joining us now is, is Isaac Trotter with CBS Sports. Isaac, let's go ahead and jump into uh, tonight's NBA playoff action. We've got the Celtics as two-and-a-half-point favorites in Game 3. Side total is 214 and a half. Anything here that stand out as far as, uh, you know, side total, player props, anything like that, given Joel Embiid has that second game back from injury? Yeah, I think I'm looking at the Sixers a little bit on both sides. You know, uh, Joel Embiid's rebound prop right now is nine and a half. I'm looking at the under with that under nine and a half. He really hasn't gone, you know, outside of his area to go rebound. He hasn't really been going out of his way to hunt them. I wonder if that's, you know, a little bit – you know, connected with the knee injury. It doesn't seem like he's super, super mobile. He's saving a little bit of his gas uh, for the for the offensive end and attacking on offense, but you don't really see him go out of his area and rebound. Uh, so I, I look at that one as well. And then the other one too is De'Anthony Melton. I don't have a number up for him yet, but I think that the Sixers are on the verge of a potential lineup switch here. I think what we saw last game in game two, the Celtics basically quit guarding P.J. Tucker and they're playing four on five. And, and that just seems like something that the Sixers can't keep going moving forward. So I think the pivot is playing Melton and trying to get more uh, long athletic defenders to try to guard Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know, Melton's not super tall, but he has a six foot eight wingspan and you have to guard him and he relocates and knocks down threes. So I, I haven't seen a number for him yet, but those are the two that I'm really looking at because I think Melton's going to get a lot more run tonight. And I would expect uh, Joel Embiid to really kind of conserve his energy on offense and not necessarily attack the glass like he has been. Isaac, the number has been jumping this morning. I, I find it a little surprising. But coming off the big blowout by the Seas in game number two, now we shift to Philly. And this morning it's popped from one and a half up to two and a half. Any opinion on the side or the total sitting at 214 in the hook? Yeah, I think this is a good matchup for Boston. I've thought that this this from the beginning. I think that when you look at the transition defensive numbers, Philly's transition defense has been a mess all year. And if you look at the most efficient transition scores in the NBA, it's Jason Tatum and it's Jalen Brown. And so those two guys getting after it in transition make a ton of sense. I, I like this matchup for the Celtics. I think they're deeper. I think they're more athletic. And I think that when they go to their bench and you're bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, six man of the year, and you're seeing what Derek White has been doing as well, I just think that they have more options. So I, I like this. I like the Celtics again to, to take care of business tonight. And I, I understand that number. I, I liked it at one and a half. I don't know if I would touch it at two and a half. I like my props a little bit more. But I just think that this is a tough matchup for Philly <laughs> with, with the way that Boston's able to push it in transition is so efficient in transition that makes it really really hard for philly's transition defense all right let's move to the other game nuggets 
and this goes to Phoenix now. I just think this is a bad matchup for the Suns, and Aiton really can't do anything. He just isn't big enough when it comes to Jokic. We've even been talking about is there value on a Nuggets sweep in the series. What do you like here, Isaac? Yeah, it's one of those situations where I feel like the Suns really have to ride Devin Booker and Kevin Durant really, really hard. And the one I'm looking at right now is um, the numbers so far this year when, when Chris Paul does not play, Devin Booker's assist rate spikes pretty significantly. It goes from about five and a half mm-hmm. assists with him. I think it's over 6.7 without him so far this year. The number I'm looking at is him to get a double-double. It's almost two to one. You could also have in certain <laughs> plus two. Uh, that's a really interesting I just one. mentioned and- it. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Same page. Yeah. Well, did you just mention too that he's 25 to one to get a triple double? And when you look at some mm-hmm. of the th- certain instances where he's playing 42, 43 minutes, you know, max, max minutes, Chris Paul now being out forces him into a more playmaking role. And then two, Chris Paul is a really, really good defensive rebounder too. So I think there's going to be extra defensive rebounds up for grabs for uh, Devin Booker. And you look at some of his game logs without Chris Paul, he's flirted with it multiple times in those instances where he's over 40 plus minutes. We've multiple occasions where he's at 27, 10 and eight or 27, 10 and nine. I mean, we saw it multiple times in the Clippers series too, where he's playing heavy, heavy minutes and he's able to get on the glass. And the other thing too, playing campaign, doesn't necessarily hurt the Suns too much because you have another shooter on the floor. Chris Paul's a reluctant three-point shooter. Campaign is not <laughs> scared at all to fire. So another role player for him to potentially kick out to. And I'd expect Denver's defense to really load up on him, which could open up some doors for, you know, a 25 to one triple double thing is, I mean, it's obviously a huge number, but I think there's, I think it could make some sense tonight too. Playoff usage rate, Devin Booker, 30.5%, Durant, 25.5%, and then a massive drop-off after that. So there's something appealing there, given how much Booker has already been involved with this offense uh, in the playoffs with everybody healthy. So you take one of the key pieces out there, 25-1 for a triple-double. I really, really like that. Want to talk about uh, tomorrow's uh, NBA action. And of course, uh, game two between the Warriors and Lakers was last night. Warriors uh, won that one going away. Game three, the current spread is the Lakers uh, at minus three and a half. It is juice in the Warriors' direction. Anything there that stand out, given that the Lakers, uh, you know, looked fantastic in game one, uh, you know, going down low, getting to the free throw line, completely different tenor in game two. What are you expecting for the third meeting as the series shifts? Yeah, it feels like Anthony Davis has been a roller coaster all series, all playoffs. It's like really, really good, really, really inconsistent. And it feels like right in the first five minutes of the game, you can tell what version of Anthony Davis we're going to see. The dominant one that's really attacking the offensive glass and is probably going to flirt with 25 and 15 or a guy who's going to disappear for long stretches. So this seems like a bounce back spot for Anthony Davis. The other thing, too, that I'm watching is when we saw in game one, the drop coverage from the Lakers, they really gave Steph Curry a lot of space on his, you know, on those those high ball screens. He was able to get some really good looks from three. Now in game two, he kind of shifted more into a, hey, let's get Klay Thompson his. I think he flirted with 11 or 12 assists last night. And so I would be interested if he gets back into that scoring role and is able to knock down more of those threes because I think he's going to get some really good looks with how deep Anthony Davis plays on that drop coverage. There's multiple times in game one where Steph Curry's coming off a ball screen and nobody's there with a hand up. That That's really, really scary. So I, I'm looking at his threes prop. Maybe we get a little bit lower number after, you know, a very much of a pass-first performance in game two. So Anthony Davis and Steph Curry are the two things I'm looking at for, for game three. Yeah, also, uh, also tomorrow we've got the Knicks and the Heat. 
as uh, we go to South Beach, Miami, the three-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think here? I, I don't think any of us were surprised when Jimmy Butler ended up sitting in game number two. They've had this long layoff, so I think there's a fair assumption that Butler's going to be on the court. Um, when we talked uh, to an oddsmaker the other day uh, over at BetMGM, he had mentioned that this number's in between. Uh, that's kind of where we're at. But, uh, you know, what do you think happens? Uh, if Butler is in... How high does this go in which I look for this game? Yeah, I think if Butler is in, it really changes more how I feel about the heat on the defensive end of the floor. I think that they're able to really match up with the Knicks really, really well. I think we've seen the best version of Miami defensively when Jimmy Butler's on the floor. I think that it's it's a little bit interesting because the Knicks play so much iso ball with Jalen Brunson and then obviously with Julius Randle. And when Jimmy Butler's out on the floor, Miami's defensive rate, net rating has been much, much better so far in the playoffs. So I would expect... I would expect Miami to bounce back on the defensive end if Jimmy Butler plays. And the, the from a props perspective, it's weird. Like, I'm really locked in on, like, this Knicks starting five platoon that they have going. Every single time, like, we see Mitchell Robinson with what he's able to do, but it feels closer and closer that Artenstein is getting to that chance where I think he might close out some of these games as really well soon. So I think he played in game two. I believe he got subbed out about the 350 mark of the fourth quarter after playing a big chunk of that fourth quarter. It seems like we're closer and closer. We're heart and scenes part of that closing group. And he could be an interesting one from a props perspective because he's just so, so active on the offensive glass. And that's an area where you can get Miami, too, on the glass. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What were your thoughts on Coach Bud losing his job in Milwaukee and any thoughts on a replacement? Yeah, it feels a little bit, you know, it feels a little bit cruel, to be honest. Uh, you win the title, you get the number one seed, you have a phenomenal regular season, your brother dies, and then you get canned. That, that's, that's a really rough season. I think I understand it, though. I mean, this is a business. Um, Milwaukee's inability to make the proper adjustments has been a big concern for Bud throughout his entire career. So that's one thing that I'm looking at. And, you know, looking forward, I think if you could find a situation where Nick Nurse wants to come in and, and be a part of that culture, I think it would make a ton of sense for Milwaukee. I think it'd make a ton of sense for Nick Nurse and be really attractive. But it feels a little cruel for Bud because if I mean, honestly, some of his off, some of his offensive tactics were really smart. I thought a lot of his techniques were really smart. I think sometimes we just kind of like hone in on like, oh, he didn't make the one sub or, oh, he just keeps playing deep drop coverage. And sometimes that seems a little bit unfair to some of the bigger adjustments that he's made. So I think he's a good coach. It feels bad that this is the right the timing for it. But I do end up thinking it was probably the right move. Let's move on now to baseball, and uh, today's MLB card certainly headlined by uh, Dodgers-Padres. Clayton Kershaw going up against Hugh Darvish. Uh, anything there that stands out to you? 
Yeah, I wasn't really looking at that game. I was more looking at the Tigers game against the Cardinals. Matthew Boyd on the mound. Really high fly ball rate. That's something that's interesting to me. The Cardinals have been a team that's struggled all year long, but they're pretty good against left-handed pitching. Wilson Contreras tearing the cover off the ball lately. His fly ball rate is really high, so I think he's plus 450 to homer, plus 400 to homer. That makes a ton of sense for me. That's the first one that I was looking at. And then I still keep looking at some of these these rookie of the year market has been really interesting because Mason Miller, the kid from Oakland, is starting to pitch really well. I think he had a seven no-hit innings last time out. That was really, really impressive. I wonder what his number looks like moving forward, and we could see another big outing from him coming up soon. Mets suck. That's my statement. <laughs> <laughs> Mets suck. Uh, swept by the Tigers. Now you're uh, you're going on to uh, face the Colorado Rockies. Uh, if you took them in Survivor, you need a sweep from the Rockies uh, for the Mets to get by. For them to go 500 on a week, that involved the Tigers, the Rockies, and two with the Braves. They got the split with the Braves. You're sitting pretty, Isaac, and then uh, things go bad. Yeah, I. Uh... I feel like my survivor run has been really, really unlucky. I, I just, it's like, it feels like the Mets were the perfect pick this week in Survivor. You get Max Scherzer back, you get Justin Verlander back, you get really, really good matchups. They've been good on the road this year, and this is what we get rewarded with. It's, it's interesting. But Senga throwing tonight, that's a big one there. I was trying to find what his K props would be. I think it's five and a half, pretty juiced right now. That makes a ton of sense for me, but you could look at that alt line to try to get seven. His strikeout rate has been phenomenal this year. When he throws strikes, he is one of the most dominant strikeout pitchers in all of baseball. So he's a really interesting one in that Colorado lineup. Doesn't really scare me. They have a lot of right-handed hitters that like to strike out. Randall Grichik has a high strikeout rate. CJ Crone has a higher strikeout rate. So I think if Senga can get through that top of the order three times, I think he's going to have a, a pretty good chance to flirt with seven. And I think you can get that at pretty good odds to get seven. I think it's a plus 130, plus 140 to get seven strikeouts. You are with us weekly during the NCAA tournament. And Hunter Dickinson, shout out to DeMatha. He announced that he is going to transfer to Kansas. What are your thoughts on that? Big time, big time move. Uh, it was one of those situations where he brings out his finalists and we're like, why would you not pick Kansas? Like everything here makes sense. Great coach, throws you the basketball, uh, really good point guard, good shooting. Like it just all makes sense. And I felt like he really drew it out. He probably made some enemies along the way with the way he did it. Uh, teasing an announcement, the announcement never came. Back-to-back -back days where nothing happened, and then it finally comes out. So I, I like the move for him. I think it automatically makes Kansas one of the top teams in college basketball next year. I think they're probably going to be the number one team in the country in the preseason polls, uh, just with what they have and also what they have coming. They have some pretty big moves on the way, I believe. But it's a situation where I, I still have questions about this Kansas roster, so it'll be interesting to see if they're a little bit overvalued in the futures market and, and what that in, entails moving forward. But on paper, it makes a ton of sense for him to go there. I expect him to have an enormous year and potentially flirt with National Player of the Year if he continues to get a, a super high usage rate in Kansas, like they always do, throw their big men the basketball in, in advantageous positions. Even if we don't talk about the national championship picture, it certainly makes the Big 12 that much more intriguing, what with Kansas and Baylor certainly leading the way. What is the state of the conference, and what do you think about what that race is going to look like once we get there? Well, the other thing, too, is Houston joins the Big 12 starting next year, and that adds mm -hmm. a whole new wrinkle to it. So it's going to be one of the best conferences in college basketball as well. I mean, Houston's terrific. Texas, what they've done in the transfer portal has been really, really good. Kansas State has made waves in the portal. Kansas is really good. You could look at potential like four top 15-ish teams in the Big 12 next season. Houston's going to head into next year thinking they can win the national title. Kansas will. 
Texas with the right moves could. So it's it's going to be an absolute gauntlet. The one thing, too, that's interesting about the Big 12 race is that now that they've added these extra teams, they're getting away from their round robin. So you won't see each other twice a year or every year. You don't see every single team twice uh, throughout the regular season, which adds a different wrinkle to certain things because it felt like the true winner in in that um, Big 12 was always going to happen just with their with their scheduling. Now, not so much. You could get some scheduling breaks with with the right round robin matchups. Uh, final minute, and I wanted to follow up on Texas. What did you think about uh, keeping Rodney Terry? And uh, you mentioned transfer portal, obviously talking about Max Asmus, right? Do you think they're title contenders? Yeah, I think they still have some work to do. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of keeping Rodney Terry under the move. I think it made sense. I think your ceiling's a little bit capped. I, I don't know if it's a situation where, uh, you know, I, I think I think he is going to get a benefit of a doubt for building some of that team, but it really was Chris Beard that built that team. And so if they don't mm-hmm. advance super far, I think we'll understand why. But they add Max Asmus, they add Caden Shedrick, a transfer from Virginia. That's a big move. But losing Ron Holland, the five-star kid, number one rated player in the class of 2023 is a huge, huge blow for them. They've kind of bounced back and got some solid uh, additional pieces out of the transfer portal yesterday. But I feel pretty good about them if they can get Tyrese Hunter back. And I, I think they'll be in the mix to win the Big 12. I don't know if they have that ceiling, though, after losing two five-stars in this recruiting class. I felt like if they could have kept those, that could have really, you know, put Texas on that national, hey, there could potentially be number one in the, in, in the, you know, in the, in the country next season. But, you know, Rodney Terry has a lot to prove. He really does. And we'll, we'll see if he can, he can live up to the hype. Big 12, one true champion. Where in the world have I heard that before? Hmm, interesting. Isaac Trotter with CBS Sports. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Michael Leboff shares his thoughts on the NHL postseason so far, and he'll discuss tonight's Devils-Hurricanes Game 2 right here on the BetQL Network.